Afghanistan continues to fall apart. COVID, COVID, and more COVID. Trying to understand the eviction moratorium and big changes are coming to America based on the most recent census. It's August 14th, and you are listening to The Least Woke Man in America. I want to start by talking about the situation in Afghanistan. It's weighed so heavily on me the last three or four days. We're going to talk about that before we talk to co- about COVID. Because unless there's some awful mutation, 1918 like mu- mutation, which could happen, the United States of America is going to get through COVID. And we are at the point now, this might rub people, some people the wrong way, where a lot of the people who are getting COVID and struggling with COVID with what we know now and what's available, it's kind of self-induced. Uh, people who are ver- vaccinated and have severe health problems and still get sick, I, I have I, that's sad and I feel bad for them. But we are going to get through COVID. But now we're going to talk about Af- we're going to talk about Afghanistan first, because there are many people in Afghanistan who have way bigger problems than COVID. I probably really irritated some people by saying that, but this is serious. And it's such an incredible, sad moment, but the educational part of this for America is incredible. First of all, let's put things in perspective. We have lost over 2,000 service people in Afghanistan. Over 20,000 Americans have been injured in Afghanistan. Now, some of them might be fully functioning back to day-to-day life, working, etc. Maybe it was a minor injury. It still gets recorded as a casualty. But many of them are the wounded warriors that you see on the TV commercials. Wheelchairs, PTSD, will never fully function again in day-to-day life. All due to the war that started in 2001 after the terrorist attack in New York City. So now we are pulling out and... I mean, anybody, unless you've been living in a cardboard box for the last week or so, you see that it's falling apart over there at warp speed, faster than anybody anticipated. <laughs> I had to laugh. The CIA revised the report. Originally, they said six to 12 months, and they came out with a new report this week saying it's going to be 30 days. I'm like, my God, thank God we spent tens of billions of dollars on the CIA. They, they couldn't see how fast this was going to fall apart. Give me a break. Anybody else that cooked up something like that in their day job would be fired. But anyway, um, so it's falling apart so fast over there. And I was reading something recently. They had such a great perspective on the whole situation for the Afghanis. There are people over there who, you know, when we went over there, say they were three or four years old that are now in their mid-20s. And they have only known American protection. And of course, you know, they have cell phones over there now. I'm sure the internet's not great. The internet service sucks in lots of parts of America. I can't imagine it's great in Afghanistan, but they have at least seen now they have access to how Western the world lives, how the rest of the world lives. There was hopes of aspirations of going to school, having careers, especially for women. There's coffee shops, there's gyms, all things they never had access before to before under Taliban rule, and that they will probably, of course, they will lose when they go back into the 8th century once the Taliban takes everything back over. Now, part of this lays at the feet of the Afghanis, of course. I mean, they are surrendering, surrendering big time, big time. They are surrendering to the Taliban. 
The Afghan army, we have spent a fortune. China train is just surrendering in, 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 in literally hour after hour, more of them surrendering. They're handing their American-made, American-paid-for weapons to the Taliban. It's all insane. I, it's one of those situations, I think there's more to it than what I see because I'm not an expert in the matter. My guess is if I sat at a bar and had a drink for an hour of someone who really, really knows that country, they probably would have predicted this. I've heard before anecdotally that one of the big problems we were going to run into is to be all the clans and tribes over there. It's just such a complicated country, segmented. I mean, the, I don't know the history of the border, probably colonialism. I, the border is one of those, like a lot of African countries, the border does not represent the country correctly. It just, a bunch of people were thrown together and some bigger country created the border. And it, it, it's just a, a hegemonic mix of people. And it's hard to get some type of real army together in a situation like that. So probably more than you want to know, but it's terrible. And now some, yes, it, you can make the case that some of those 23 and 24 year olds I mentioned need to become the George Washington and the Thomas Jefferson of that country, that we cannot be the Thomas Jefferson, the George Washington, the Ben Franklin of every country in the world. We can't. And it points to another direction as well, as that how important some of the thinking, some of the people, and some of the institutions, the American left, has demonized and fought against from the academic institutions, the Hollywood, the media, the three, the big three, as I call them, for decades. And when you see a situation like Afghanistan, it puts in perspective how ridiculous that is. What would those people over there do right now for a strong military, for a Thomas Jefferson, for a founding father's type courage? towards the values that we have as far as independence and the protection that comes from the protection of the individual. Because when you look at the Taliban, it can be, you could easily say, blame Islam. And Islam, I do have some serious problems with Islam. I don't know if Podbean will allow me to even say that anymore. We are so deep in woke right now. I don't know if me, a white conservative male, is even allowed to say that. That's where we stand right now. Add it to the banned book list. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on this podcast. And, you know, if you are not bothered by the fact I have to say that, then there's something wrong. Maybe this podcast isn't for you. But anyway, so um, there are, you know, is, part of Islam is the philosophy of jihad. I learned recently that jihad is a overall philosophy. A lot of times in the West, we think like if, a country declares jihad on a specific type of people. It's that specific war that takes place. Like one group of people declares jihad on another type of people. But that falls under, that war falls under the general philosophy of jihad that, you know, infidels should really not be tolerated for a long period of time. I think it's like 10 years in fundamentalist Islam, you're allowed to live next to an infidel or allow them to exist. All this is 100% true, by the way. And I learned it from a professor who studies this stuff. I, um, I have a subscription to The Great Courses. Many of you probably heard about The Great Courses. I watch it often. And he was going into detail about this. 
The, here's what's so crazy about the world we live in now. I looked up when the video was made, and I believe it was 2011 or 12. Now this professor, I will have to look up his name, but he was very objective with his discussion about this. He had no horse in the race. He was not bad-mouthing Islam. He was not trying to demonize Islam. He made it clear that he was not pro-Christian either. Despite all of those caveats, in 2021, I don't know if he'd even be allowed on most colleges and universities to give that lecture, even though he, it was 100% truth-based and very eye-opening for me as far as the content. And so the Taliban are a very fundamentalist version of Islam, 8th century. They're going to drag that country back into caveman territory. But here's the thing. It'd be very easy to just point towards Islam and say that's the reason for the Taliban. But we forget the communists had the same approach. So, And they were atheist. So the same concept as far as everyone needs to convert or the system doesn't work correctly. The communists, when they took over Russia, they literally drowned the Russian Orthodox priest. And as the priests were dying, they said the same thing Jesus said on the cross, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. It's a true story. So two different philosophies, one based on religion, actually rooted in the Abrahamic religion of the Old Testament, the same one that Judaism and Christianity share. Another system is completely political and economic, both with the same approach, complete trampling of the individual. And that's the second part of this that is so important. When a situation like this takes place, where a group of people have just had a taste, a possible taste of Western culture, freedoms, where the individual was protected by the law. Now, I don't want to sound delusional that even right now in Kabul, Afghanistan, for as much as progress has taken place over there, and as much money have we spent, and the institutions that have been tried, that they've tried to create as far as courts and schools, they're still way behind this. It's not anything close, I'm sure, to Western Jeffersonian democracy. I get all that. But as far as what we can learn, as far as the level of sophistication that our founding fathers, going all the way back to John Locke and some of the philosophers that they built our system on, the level of sophistication as far as the protection of the individual from what I call the disease. The disease is when you see human beings in their truest, nastiest, scariest form. You can include the Nazis, which like some people I really respect, Bill O'Reilly, Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro, three very different men, very different philosophies, different ages, different backgrounds, but they put a lot of time into thinking this stuff through. God bless them. There are lives, they're the exact opposite of some ponytailed professor with a John Lennon poster, you know, at some state school in Vermont or something. There's been conscious thought put into this because of all their deep understanding, most importantly of all, of history. And they come to the same 
conclusion. Most living Americans, except for maybe the World War II generation, who are obviously either passing away, either, you know, they're 90s, they're elderly now, they're frail, they're, a lot of them have passed away, God bless their souls. Or maybe people who have confronted evil um, because of childhood abuse situations. But for the most part, what I'm going with this, most living Americans have not confronted evil like this before, where you know there's a group coming to enslave you, to kill you, to take your rights away, to grab you and drag you away from your family. Again, I know this is not Joel Olstein or Hallmark Channel, but this is so important. It's what this entire country rests upon. And we have to face that. This, this is what's There's being woke, which is just phony nonsense, and there's being awake as far as, holy cow, this is real. And I call it the disease, where a group of people, whether it's through nationalism, Nazis, communism, uh, Islam, where there's some type of zeitgeist that takes place, as they call it, and, and, and they can use, say, well, no, this is true based on this and true based on that. No, when there's a trampling of individual rights, you know something evil, something terrible is taking place, the will of a group is being pushed on the will of individuals. And if you think about it, think of the, because so, human beings are so likely to do that, that's why we have laws, we have institutions, we have the police, we have the military. It's Because that's our propensity to do that. And that's what the founding fathers saw with multiple branches of government and checks and balances. So this Afghanistan situation, there are so many things we can learn from it. Uh, we can't change it overnight. We can't go over there in that country or any other and create democracies. We can't nation build. We can't police the world. It's been tried. It does not work. What can we do? And, I, and I've always said this. The best thing we can do, and I'm not saying this to be corny, but to be the best fully functioning democracy possible is at least an example and give hope to those people and support them in other ways, with their weapons or money or whatever, if they do have resistance groups. I'm for that. Some of you more libertarian types might be against it. But we obviously we have to draw a line somewhere because it's not sustainable. Frankly, it's not fair to our military. It's not fair to our service members. It's not fair to take 18-year-olds and just parachute them all over this planet, the John McCain method, and solve everybody's problems. It's not fair. It's not reasonable. It's not realistic. And I understand all of that. But we have to stop. We have to be the group of people that look at this country with the same level of maturity as a really mature person who inherited a million dollars. And now you, everybody at some age, when you get in your teens, 20s, you've at least known someone who's inherited money, and usually it's a horror story. They blow it, a year later, there's nothing to show for it, just crazy stuff. Lots of vacations, half-finished in-ground pool, lent money to somebody for his business he was going to start. It, it, nine out of ten times, and that's bad. But that one out of ten is a very mature person who says, you know, uh, I understand the value of money, 
And there's a big difference between having a, what I call a concept of money and being a greedy person. That, that's what's funny. It's yes, there's people who just can't get enough. That's the definition of greed. That's completely different than someone who has a, what I call a mature concept of money. Like that one out of 10, and that one out of 10 people might be construed as greedy by immature people because that one out of 10 has a mature concept of money. So when the job hopping brother-in-law you know, asked for $20,000 to start his business, he's gonna start, and that mature person says no, then that's construed as, oh, they're really greedy and self-centered. No, they're mature. So anyway, where I'm going with this is, we have to have a mature appreciation for this country. Like someone who's inherited a million dollars and say, you know what, I can't, I'm not gonna feel guilty about it. I can't solve all the world's problems with it, but because I have a mature understanding of how hard people work for this and what a unique situation this is, I'm going to make the most of it, period, regardless of what other people think. And that's the perspective we have to have with this country, even despite the incredible problems we face right now. And, the, and one of the biggest problems is, is that we have what, double, we have the internal and external enemies. Because I mean, um, and I am not saying that you're middle-aged, ex-hippie, baby boomer, feminist aunt who voted for Hillary Clinton is some communist who's trying to undermine our democracy. I'm not saying that, but let's not kid ourselves. There is a segment of this population, and it's a growing segment, especially under say the 35 and under crowd, who've been completely indoctrinated by that John Lennon poster ponytail professor I just spoke about. Who, by the way, you ever notice how a lot of times when kids and 18-year-olds and 19-year-olds are kids, in my perspective, spend a year or two at liberal arts colleges around that professor, how usually they're more emotionally unhealthy and psychologically unhealthy than where they began. Interesting, isn't it? It shows how much of that. He might be smoking pot and went to an ashram and just blew everybody away with his profundity, but yet somehow you take a balanced kid, spend two years with Professor Yo-Yo, and he's walking around with his head down, you know, the weight of the world on his shoulders. Interesting perspective, uh, especially for all you parents out there that are supposed to, on the verge of spending 30, 40, 50 grand for Professor Yo-Yo to get his hands on your kids. But so, we have the enemy within, which, again, is having a detrimental effect on the 20 and 30 year old crowd, and the enemy without. And that, and that makes the situation more challenging. But again, going back to it, this Afghanistan situation in some ways has to create what I call daily bullseye thinking. You don't need to go out and drop some acid and read Walt, Waldo or Emerson and have some mind-blowing experience of all of Just every day, four or five minutes, thinking through, if you live in this country, you live under uh, freedom, you're part of the small percentage of human beings that have ever lived where you don't have to live in fear of a invading army literally coming and killing you and uh, you know stealing, killing your family or enslaving everyone. Millions of people have lived under that threat. The people in Kabul, Afghanistan are living under that threat from wearing a Western clothes uh, while they walk around and go to coffee shops to within a couple of weeks 
having a uh, fake conversion and doing whatever they're told. This is mind-blowing stuff for me. Maybe I'm a little more freedom-oriented than most people. I don't know. But we have to put things in perspective here. This is what's real. Not every day is, uh, what I see some Joel Olstein book, every day is Friday. Every day is not Friday. Especially people who put things in perspective like we're doing right here. So, I mean, this is big. And I, I can't, and one more note about this. I can't help to think the way Biden is letting all this collapse. I mean, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal. I think it was this morning. The editorial board at the Wall Street Journal is begging Biden to use air support. See, I thought... I can't follow everything. I thought we were going to at least give the Afghani army air support, drone support, etc. So according to this article, Biden pulled all the air assets up. Now, I'm not doing what most people on the right are doing is piling on Biden regarding this situation because Trump definitely had plans to completely pull out of Afghanistan himself. Would he allow it to take place like this? Would he disallow American air support? to fight the Taliban? I don't know. I hope not. I mean, this is Bay of Pigs territory, as far as I'm concerned, with Kennedy. Just let the Cubans get slaughtered. The air support never shows up. It's, it's ridiculous. And I can't help to think, maybe China is involved sometime. You know, 2001 was 20 years ago. The world was different, and China was definitely different. So we don't know what is taking place behind the scenes. Do they have the goods on Biden? Do they have the goods on Hunter? And I am not a conspiracy person. Or have they just threatened us? And if they have said... No, uh, you know, they have us by the you-know-what. They create 90% of our pharmaceuticals, as we've learned during the COVID mess. And God, you know, they create, they manufacture so much for us. I, I mean, obviously, everybody talks about the debt. Yes, I know, understand, they buy a lot of our debt. For me, that's one part of the problem. The other problem is all of our stuff, which we all love, comes from China. So this complete collapse where the U.S. is nowhere to be found except for pulling, sending thousands of troops over to protect our, uh, pull our people out of the embassy, something just does not smell right to me. And the fact we are not even, the Wall Street Journal has to write an editorial asking Biden for air support is just crazy. So, I mean, that's, the takeaways are, we, we, it's been an incredible sacrifice for us. There's a credible amount of learning that can take place as far as one human nature, or the disease as I call it, the fighting of the disease as far as institutions, laws that protect the individual rights, but that God bless them, our highly demonized founding fathers came up with uh, 250 years ago. And, and, and let's not forget, they their thinking was based on, all went back to Athens as far as Greek philosophy and the Bible as far as Judeo-Christian Black and white, Ten Commandments, protection of the individual, combined with John Locke and some of the Enlightened professors, or excuse me, philosophers, 250 years ago. And we are standing on those shoulders to this day. And when we look at Afghanistan, we can see what happens when all of that is not put in place. And when it's not, the behaviors and philosophies are not passed down from generation to to generation. I don't know what's going to take place. It just scares me a country that big to become lawless um, unless the CIA has plans to put just satellites and drones and keep an eye on everything once everything collapses and goes back into caveman, caveman territory. I don't know. But all we, all we can do on a daily basis, if you're walking the dog, going to the gym, doing normal quote-unquote American weekend things, it's really worth it 
to put some perspective as far as what's been lost on, to this country and what is about to be lost over there. Okay, everybody's favorite subject, COVID, COVID, and more COVID. All right, I should not laugh. There's a pandemic going on, but I think a year and a half in, you know where I'm coming from. Let's start with the idea. Can we, can we all be honest? The whole COVID scenario, the whole COVID situation, the whole pandemic, whatever you want to call it, as if the medical sickness part hasn't been bad enough, the political part's been bad enough, it's been like a psychological torture chamber for those of us who are objective and truth-oriented because it's just all over the place. If you're not, you know, if you're not the type of person that thinks Fauci and Jeffrey Epstein created COVID at Area 51 or on the one hand, or on the other hand, you're not the type of person like I saw a year ago on his riding lawnmower in the middle of a field with a mask on. If you're anybody in between, that's like, what's real, what's true, what's intelligent, what balances dealing with the pandemic without becoming a totalitarian hell, if you're that type of person, this has not been easy. If you try to explain stuff to people, they get a weird look on their face, a lost look, an irritated look, especially if they're a Democrat, where do you even begin? All right, so I'm not going to talk forever about COVID. Like I said, the Afghanistan thing I find incredibly important, incredibly intriguing. All I can tell you based on what I really believe about COVID, just so we're all on the same page here, right? So Florida yesterday had 50,000 cases. Now, for those of you who have DDS, DeSantis derangement syndrome, uh, wait the drool off your chin for a second because I'm not finished. When the most, uh, excuse me, when one of the states, I think it's number one or two, with the most elderly people has 50,000 cases, but you are not hearing about, you know, people in the villages, you know, the elderly living facility, the huge one in Florida, but of course there's many more than that, of complete bedlam taking place as far as uh, elderly people, dying and freezer trucks like there was in New York City. You're not hearing about any of that in Florida right now. You are hearing disturbing cases. Again, I'm trying to be objective. I'm not a conspiracy person. There are stories with the kids getting it, which is very disturbing to me, both first and most importantly on a human level, but then as an American, as part of American society, part of the American economy, if, the, if it has mutated, is affecting kids more, uh, you can read all the conspiracy theories you want and pretend it's not real. That is going to be a game changer in this country. But statistically, statistically, the number of kids as a percentage uh, is still low. But the, the, with children, you have to understand, and I, I've had debates over the years with fellow right-wing people, there is a different dynamic. It's a different dynamic. Emotion supersedes everything when it comes to children. So you're making a huge mistake when children involved, especially dealing with the parents and especially the mother, to rattle off some type of conservative stance on the situation, emotionless and rational and uh, statistic order, you gotta be careful of that with kids. Like I've tried to tell people before, that's why the Democrats have done so well with healthcare debates. Because I'm telling you right now, you know, if you have two parents uh, making working class wages, especially if they're both working, uh, they feel like they're contributing to society. They feel like they're good people. 
and one of their kids appendix explodes and you have to rush in the emergency room and you can't stand there with a Milton Friedman book saying, well, you know, uh, you know, this procedure is going to be $20,000 and your insurance doesn't cover it and you should have been more responsible and frugal and blah, 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 blah. You have to throw that playbook not out the window sometimes when it comes to kids. All right, so the kids thing is really important. It's a different element and it could be a game changer. I don't know. But on the other hand, I also know that the American media is a fear machine. So if there is one kid out of 20,000 cases, they will find that kid. We, I know that as well. So anyway, so Florida has 50,000 cases, the most elderly population, and it's not like there's a complete meltdown taking place down there. To me, and many might want to hear this, the uh, vaccine then is being effective as it should be with the elderly population. Why that bothers some people is beyond me. Because if it was not effective, and we were back to March of 2020, and it was spreading like wildfire in Florida of all places right now with the elderly population, this country would be on the verge, I wouldn't say collapse, but we would be in a living hell right now. So for at least the elderly, anybody with a, you know, playing with a full deck of cards should be thankful that there has been some type of protection put in place. Now, that being said, so there I'm more on the vaccine crowd, which some people probably just shut the podcast off hearing that. But hear me out. Uh, what really irks me, and then I think a lot more of you will agree with me on this, is the complete discounting of natural immunity. It, it just floors me that in all the way back to middle school that we learn, middle school, I'm not kidding, I'm sure a lot of you like me in health class, basic nuts and bolts Teacher teaches you, you get, a, you get a cold and your body fights it off and you get antibodies and probably writing it down and probably, you know, think about what you're doing after school and how, you know, and right at that age where you're starting to think about how hot the girl is sitting next to you and scribbling in your notebook and then, you know, it comes up on a multiple choice question, every, a question, uh, exam, everybody knows it, okay? You get the virus, antibodies, you're done. Everybody learns that at some point in school. Then all of a sudden COVID comes along and none of that is real anymore. Why is it in New York City right now, if someone shows a test for positive antibodies, but does not have the vaccine, they can still not go into a gym or a restaurant. That is mind blowingly stupid. Especially when an Israeli study showed the natural immunity is seven times more effective than the vaccine. That's according to one study. It might be discount at some point. I don't know, but that's pretty powerful stuff. And Israel tends to be a pretty objective country when it comes to things of that nature. So I don't understand that part. And I'm telling you right now, whoever is making decisions, whoever's leading this war, whether it's Fauci or somebody else against the natural immunity, the antibody stuff, they're, they're playing with fire because the, the, the fighting of the antibodies is what's fueling so much right-wing suspicion between that and the lack of the final FDA approval. Because when you say the antibodies don't matter for the first time in human history, literally, you are in essence saying, you know, that stuff doesn't matter. You need the vaccine. Well, what are, when you send that message, of course people are going to have conspiracy theories about government control, about how Fauci's in bed with the pharmaceutical companies. Uh, somebody sent me something the other day showing the stock price of Moderna as all this has taken place, this latest spike with Delta. It's it just absolutely 
ridiculous. I mean, you're throwing out thousands of years of human history. And then the FDA thing is very fishy to me. And I'm someone who has a Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Now, the commissioner of the FDA is a highly coveted job in the medical community and the science community, etc. Joe Biden has been president since January. We are now into mid-August, yet he does not have an FDA commissioner. Now, why is that? Now, Jen uh, blah, 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 Saki has said that, oh, we're looking for the most competent person, blah, blah, blah. Uh, give me a freaking break. The richest, most educated country on the planet cannot find a competent person to run the FDA. So as they do that, they make it out that no one wants to be sitting in the captain's chair when the FDA approves or gives final approval to the vaccines, which again fuels the conspiracy theories. So do the conspiracy theories and the anti-vax stuff, especially in the sick and the elderly, you look at, I completely understand the whole healthy, jogging, gym going, yoga loving, vegetable eating, perfect scores on the physical, 25 year old needs to get stabbed in the arm in order to do social stuff. Especially when, and this is again science, they have found in this Massachusetts situation, the Provincetown, Massachusetts situation, the people who are vaccinated, which I am one, you have just as much of it in your nose if you get COVID. The symptoms might not be as bad, but you are just as contagious. So that healthy 25-year-old or 35-year-old or whatever, by vaccinating that person and you know bringing in Kamala and the rest and just bear-hugging them and throwing them on the ground and stabbing that needle in his arm, you are not reducing that person's level of contagiousness to other people. So the militant approach with healthy people, the uh, terrible attitude towards natural immunity, and the lack of FDA commissioner, how could you not wonder why we are in the mess that we are in right now? And I, I do believe it's going to be a mess down south in certain states, Louisiana, Alabama. Let, let, let's just clean the slate and not play games, all right? Can we do that for 10 seconds here? At the, there's a very obese population down there. There's a very, and there's low vaccination rates. If you don't need to be an MD to understand that's a deadly combination for COVID, that the obesity and type 2 diabetes are the number one risk factor. They've known that since last year at this time. So... It is going to be a mess there, the, you know, as much as everybody thinks it's the rednecks driving around with the Make America Great Again flags in the back of their pickup trucks that aren't vaccinated. The uh, vaccination rate among black people is terrible. And obviously there's a lot of black people in southern states. And I think that's going to be a mess. And I think the old racism, I mean, racism, racism, racism is going to come into play, even though the government cannot do anything else to possibly beg people to get vaccinated, it will come into play. Absolutely, because that's how this country works. Right now, it's, you know, we, we, we're post-truth, as I've called it for years now. We are in a post-truth society where if you, the truth is for mean, rude people who just don't get it, all right? So you, know, you can lay out everything in a beautiful presentation to about a third of this country, and they will stare ahead with what I call left-wing crazy face, with a smirk on the side of their mouth where you just do not get it. They can't articulate what you don't get.
they don't articulate what you're supposed to get, but you are an idiot who just doesn't get it. And so that's the way we work in a post-truth society. They call it post-modernism. I call it just post-truth. And it's a serious problem. And so it, racism is going to come into play. Now, you can step back and look at the big picture. You look at the Florida situation. 50,000 people testing positive in one day. If that continues, we're dealing with exponential growth. Next Friday, I mean, I'm reading the statistics as of uh, August, this is August 4th, Saturday, August 14th. So as yesterday, Friday the 13th, Florida had 50,000 cases. It's 100,000 next Friday. My point is that you, that path continues. So those people have natural immunity. And one thing nobody talks about anymore is the beautiful, glorious asymptomatics. So you have to think if 50,000 are testing positive in Florida, there must be a boatload of asymptomatic people who will also develop antibodies. And then you combine that with the vaccinated people. Well, my God, I mean, how many, how long does it take until not, maybe not every single person, but a pretty good chunk of the population has some type of COVID resistance inside of them? And is that a bad thing? I don't think so. Of course, I'm not allowed to have an opinion. Uh, only Fauci is and, and people on CNN. But if you look at it from that perspective, um, the most vulnerable have been protected, which has had a dramatically positive effect on the hospitalization rates and the death rates. And there are people right now who are dying and that could have been prevented through the vaccination if they're overweight, if they're elderly, etc. but they refuse to do it. So then the question becomes how onerous, how uh, tough are you on everyone else because those people are driving statistics. So it's complicated stuff. It goes back to what I said at the beginning. It's a like, like a psychological torture chamber for anyone who cares about what's real, what's true, what's intelligent, what's not cuckoo for cocoa, cocoa puffs nonsense. And it's gonna continue. But again, I hate to sound so shrewd as we march toward herd immunity. And by herd immunity, I mean the combination of vaccinations and people who have the antibodies, you can't help to think, unless there's some radical, God forbid, mutation that literally is in God's hands, whether we like it or not, we might be on the right track. But we shall see. We shall see. Let's move on to another subject that I've been somewhat following out of fascination, the eviction moratorium. The eviction... <laughs> more sorry i laugh i'm gonna get into why i'm laughing first of all is there anything more old-fashioned than demonizing the good old landlord right back to biblical times of course then a speck of the population actually owned land uh it was all corrupt and i won't get into the details but the point is this demonizing of the landlords and everyone is entitled to a place to live. Let's go into details about that. First of all, the moratorium starts. Well, let me back up for a second. Here's one statistic to keep in mind with the eviction moratorium. I read recently that with the enhanced unemployment, and it seems like a high number to me, but I'm not sure. With the enhanced unemployment, that amount in most states comes to more than what most people that more than what 70% of the population makes on a weekly basis. So seven out of 10 people for seven out of 10 people, 
the enhanced unemployment is more than they were making working. Now, what does this have to do with the moratorium? What, what makes you question if people are getting more money not working than they for sitting home, why would they be on a threat of being evicted in the first place? Shouldn't they have the money to pay the landlords? All right, so that, that's the first part of it. And that is not the whole population, I realize it. Here's the part of the population I do have, you, you could feel sorry for into this. There are legitimate people where one, say it was a two income household, and one had to, one spouse had to stop work altogether, work part time to keep an eye on the kids because they weren't in school. That did play out and that did have a negative effect. But that person, I guess you could say, also could qualify for unemployment. Now, I did know people personally who got trapped right in the you know hell zone, I call it. Their hours were cut back, but they didn't get laid off, which was a tough spot to be in. You're listening to your friends and neighbors, whatever, brag about how much money they're getting on unemployment more than they were working when they were working, but you're making less than everybody. So that, that really, there were, there were people like that and that really stinks. But, and, and there's been assistance programs for that. But you have a group of people who are making more money sitting home than when they were working and they're not paying their rent. Well, how the hell does that, what type of country does that take place in? So that is a big group of people out there, all right? so. And now you have other people, okay, say the 100,000, 150,000 people making good money, where even with the enhanced unemployment, did not come close uh, to, and this is assuming they're laid off. I mean, if they're still working, then they should be paying their rent, right? Uh, if, say, they lost a job or couldn't work, then the enhanced unemployment is less than the, what they were making, but still, we're a year and a half into this. They couldn't either go live with a friend or a family member or et cetera, are they entitled to that $3,000, $4,000 a month apartment in a big city somewhere? So this moratorium situation has gotten out of control. Let's not kid ourselves. It's, it's a dangerous situation taking place here. As I mentioned during the Afghanistan segment, uh, for democracy to function, there has to be certain values. There has to be certain ways of thinking. Thomas Jefferson talked about that. He talked about when they, when they wrote the founding documents, that if a population doesn't have a certain level of morals, let's call it maturity, none of this works. So the idea that uh, a six-year-old level tantrum about F the landlord, I deserve a place to live, I work hard, blah, 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 that does not end well. Regardless of what happens with the moratorium, those, that group, I'm sure they're going to get tons of money parachuted to them, especially if they live in blue states, especially with Biden. Now the Delta is taking place. Uh, they will be fine. And the bigger part of this too is the idea that they don't understand they're living in someone else's piece of property that has underlying expenses, mortgage, property taxes, insurance, maintenance, upkeep. It's like you own something, I don't, F you. That does not work. And you could say, well, that's the way people are. Well, there was a time in this country and there was a segment of this country, people mainly who are in their 70s and 80s and 90s now, that that did not work. There, there, you know, even, you know, my grandfather used to say, 
During the Depression, people really tried to help each other out. If it, and he said this 20 years ago, if it happened tomorrow, people would just be shooting each other. If they shoot each other over pairs of shoes, you can damn well believe they're going to start shooting each other when it hits the fan. And when it does hit the fan in this country, in this country, this is what exactly happened. Moratoriums, printing of money, just anything to keep people's mouths shut. Uh, you know, the, the Federal Reserve does more to uh, appease and shut down the worst parts of human nature than even the police force does in this country. Just spray money to keep them happy and keep everybody's mouth shut because everybody's entitled to everything. I hate to sound like such a curmudgeon, but this is, I mean, this is dangerous stuff where you have millions of people who think they can just squat in these places and have no appreciation respect for the underlying expenses. Now, yes, there's a certain segment and God bless them who are thinking, oh, thank God I needed that. And you know, there's circumstances we don't know about, but it's not 80%. Let's not kid ourselves. And we have to face this. Um, and, and here's the more important, just as important, this is what is mind blowing to me. This moratorium has been extended by the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control. The Centers for Disease Control has stepped into landlord, tenant, private property territory and acted upon this. That is insane. I mean, what is next? Okay, say 10, 15 years from now, some emaciated vegan millennial type is in charge of the Department of Agriculture. Are grocery stores not allowed to sell meat? Or do we have to close down grocery stores that are selling meat? Uh, what about if some super uh, tree hugger is in charge of the EPA or the Department of Interior? Are people no longer allowed to have in-ground pools or amusement parks that have too much chlorine in the water need to be shut down and they have the power to do that? That is what I don't think most people realize. This is being led by the CDC is telling people they don't have to pay their rent. Um, so I, <laughs> this is just such crazy uncharted territory. Um, and, uh, I, I don't know where it's going to go from legal standpoint. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. It's all in the courts right now. If this doesn't get, if this doesn't get put under control by a six to three, I understand a lot of people don't like Roberts five, we'll call it five to four. I mean, Roberts is wishy-washy. Trust me. I know. Uh, five to four Supreme conservative Supreme Court. We got a serious problem in this country. The Centers for Disease Control should not be able to tell people they do not need to pay their rent. That is insane. That is not American. And it's one of those things I feel like it's brewing under the surface and everybody's running around spending their free money and watching news about wildfires and hurricanes and COVID in Afghanistan, all of which is important, of course. But the fact a government agency is extending an eviction moratorium, to me, is just as important. So we'll have to see where this goes, but that's the type of thing I am, uh, even if you're not being evicted, even if you don't own rental properties and everything is fine in your life, if you care about this country, you better damn well be following this story because it's nuts. Now, I don't know if a lot of you were paying attention, but there was a massive yippy-skippy moment this week among the hate mongers on the left, left-wing social media, etc., because the reports, uh, lots of information has come out now about the 2020 census, the census that was done last year, 
uh, the big thing that's being reported on is what we've already known was taking place, which is that non-Hispanic whites are becoming a smaller and smaller percentage of the American population. This is not news for anyone. This has been predicted for decades now. All the way back to when I was in high school, this was predicted that this was going to take place. Maybe it's going faster now because of illegal immigration. But it's we all knew it was going to take place. The birth rate among whites has fallen dramatically. Now, there's two. you can make the case there's two reasons for that. As I always say, you can go the materialistic route as far as you know, people have put other things ahead of having a family and having children as far as career and money, etc. A lot of people don't want to hear that. But sometimes that is the case. And the other, but the other part is, and this isn't necessarily a negative thing, it's a responsible part. It's people being responsible. There are a lot of people in this country who would like to have kids or more kids. But they use the frontal lobes of their brain, which separates us from animals, and sit down and look at daycare costs, college costs, what they need to put away for their own retirement, medical costs, and they literally have to stop at one or two kids. They are fully functioning adults who understand the consequences to their actions. And it's a shame that it has to be that way. It really, really is. I'm not saying that people who have a lot of kids are irresponsible, uh, especially if it's, you know, if, if, if they do it the right way. I will say that it's a shame that there is another group of the population who. Uh, have as many children as they want without restriction, with disregard for consequences. I'm going to talk in a very condescending Andrew Cuomo-like voice. I don't know if you saw any Andrew Cuomo's press conferences during COVID, but if any of the reporters disagreed with him just a little bit, like a normal, fully functioning sociopath, he would talk down to them and put his hand on the table in a very condescending, arrogant, progressive manner. Now, I'm going to do that myself because I'm going to talk about progressive policies that allowed some of the most irresponsible, dysfunctional members of society not only have children, but force the responsible people to pay for their children. Now, do all you left-wingers listening to this understand I can be just as condescending about the nonsense and garbage you come up with that is destroying this country as you are. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> but anyway, so the white population, non-Hispanic whites as they're called, as I am called, as a lot of you are called, are shrinking as a percentage of the population. Now, I want to make it clear, uh, there are many people out there, including white people, hardcore left-wing white people who have just got pom-poms in both hands. Yeah, yeah, and the white people, white people are awful. <laughs> and what you are looking at in those situations is deep psychological problems I have learned over the years. There is no real conscious, intelligent thought taking place whatsoever. It is certainly not love. It is not love of minorities. It is usually a combination of self-hatred or, like I said, psychological dysfunction, either genetic or from abuse or whatever. It's all sad. Uh, it is sad when you see so many people in this country who out of their own bad decisions and bad behavior create self-hatred and then from that some 
beautiful self-deceptive philosophies take place where it's good that your own race is dying off and that you're the smartest, most beautiful person in the room. It takes place every day, especially on social media. So anyway, um, now let's put this in perspective. As a white male in this country, I am not hyperventilating, believe it or not, much to the dismay of people, minorities, members of minority groups who might hate people like me and people of my own race who hate people like me. Because I have a fundamental philosophy that the, the really the health, uh, the quality of your life is such a huge part of it is determined by the quality of the relationships that you have. And those relationships are usually based on the values and the behavior of the other people you're in the relationship with. And I have had, and like many of you, great relationships with people of color and my, well, what was once minority groups, Asians, blacks, Hispanics, etc. There's so many of them that I admire. Uh, I've met black people before, some of the best Christians I've ever met in my life that I don't even know if within this lifetime I'll be as good a Christians as they are. Uh, some Latino people that are very family-oriented, have incredible work ethics. So as much as as a right-wing, not-woke podcaster, I'm sure if this podcast was listened to among the uh, ponytail freak squad groups, they'd love to get some popcorn out. Oh, I can't wait. Since he's not woke, I can't wait what he has to say about this, this census thing. Oh, poor little white boy. He must be so pissed. No, he's actually not, believe it or not. He's not pissed. He understands how this country was founded by people who love freedom. Within these groups of non-white Hispanics who have come here legally, L-E-G-A-L-L-Y, legally, Indians, uh, Asians, uh, Hispanics, you will find some of the most patriotic human beings. And the other thing is this, and this is what I was going to before, talk about before the relationship part. Many people you will find from third world countries and uh, developing countries and minority groups have come here have a very, and this is where, this is where certain people need to get out a vomit bag, especially that 1960s group, have a very traditional value structure as far as us respecting authority, as far as work ethic, as far as believing in God, as far as being devout to their faith. Not all of them, especially, uh, and I am not discounting by saying this, the invaders, the two million people who will cross into this country from Mexico and South America illegally this year. They won't show up to court appearances. They will never be processed that are invading this country. So I know it's a fine line between the invaders and the legal immigrants or the multi-generational people who uh, are now obviously having kids of their own and white people are having less kids. So the percentages are shifting. Uh, so <laughs> it's so interesting when this comes out because you see an explosion of hate on the left. It's taking place on social media. It's, it's, it's embarrassing to look at, especially among whites. There's like vindication taking place because the white people are dying off. It's also sad and stupid. Um, uh, but, you know, within it, though, it's really a testament to the country. And within those populations of non-whites, there are people who, um, like I said, will become, many of them, more produce productive members of society. I have more common in common, I'm going to be frank, with a minority. I have more respect for a minority person, an Indian, an Asian, Hispanic, a black person who at least strives to do the right thing, who has some type of work ethic, who 
you know, their discretionary income goes to raising families and buying groceries and buying vehicles instead of tattoos and scratch-offs and crystal meth and all types of crazy nonsense. Those, the behavior of the individuals is what dictates the health of the society, not the skin color, not the skin color. If you look at it just on a transactional basis, if you follow two people throughout an entire week and you complete, see complete, irresponsible, undisciplined circus nonsense and another person with rational, disciplined behavior, even though they might screw up like any human being from time to time throughout the day and have some misgivings, but overall during that week, you see the higher elements of the human nature. Take that times millions and take that times years and you tell me what leads the actual health and well-being of a society. That could not be more clear to me. That's why the values part is so important. That's why, like I said, a member of minority with a traditional upbringing and a healthy relationship with God and a, hasn't been indoctrinated either with if it's the white working class part of drugs and effort and just absolute live for the day nonsense or the white upper middle class go to college and after two years we are a America hating socialist with no freaking focus in life. I have more respect and more in common with the minority. I don't know what else to tell you. So as much as this became fodder, I just... <laughs> It's a, it, you really, uh, as sick and twisted as social media is sometimes, it really, you really start to see what's really inside of people. Now, of course, there's going to be white people that are just raging about this as well. And, um, you know, but some of them, like I said, I, someone whose life is just a complete train wreck, yet they have a, uh, uh, Confederate flag hanging from the back of their pickup truck with three kids that from different women that they don't support and you know 60% of their take home pay is going to complete garbage I, I'm sorry I don't I don't know what else to tell you I could not be more clear about this this is how I really feel and if because you if you care about the country you know that's the way you should be the society about people you know your race could, could become an idol if you want it to be anything can become an idol and I'm not big fans of idols I'm a big fan of what's true what's real, what's important, what's healthy. And that's the way I put all of this in perspective. So again, not a crisis for me. I don't think it's a crisis for a lot of you, but that is different than differentiate. I have to differentiate that to the 2 million people that are probably going to come into this country illegally this year. That is just a mind blowing number. If you're watching a Penn State, Michigan football game, this fall, the stadium sold out, which it probably won't because of Delta, but that is 20 of those football stadiums. That's how many people are going to come in this country illegally this year, under the radar, no social security number. And, you know, even the invaders, you have to put things in perspective. A mother, a father in Mexico or one of these South American countries, they go to bed hungry every night kid gets sick, you don't know if there's going to be a type of medical care, if the kid will make it. It is so primal in human nature to see if there's an opportunity to fix that, to take the risk and 
make the move and do what's right and try to sneak into another country. It's not right. I mean, it's not right from a legal perspective, but as far as deep primal human nature, we understand why that takes place. But so think it through. Who is the real problem in that equation? The, those people or the people on the other side of the border who are offering all of that stuff for free, who are not enforcing their own border. Not only enforcing the border, but offering free stuff on the other side. So I cannot completely blame the invaders for this. I cannot completely in, uh, uh, blame the invaders. To me, it is the classic postmodern, excuse me, postmodern, zero respect for truth, zero respect for reality, zero respect for consequences, zero respect for the natural born citizens, all in the name of enlightenment. You know, if a European country, say Greece, it kind of uh, is close to Syria, and then you go into the Middle East and some of the poorer countries, or, you know, Africa is just south, obviously, of the Mediterranean. So if an influx came into Spain from Africa or from into Greece, from those, uh, you know, from some of the Arab countries, like took place with Syria, at least, you know, when it, the people from Syria came during the Civil War, Greece put up, they put up fences. It wasn't a free-for-all. I would look at that and say, what a bunch of fools. What, what a bunch of disrespect for the natural-born citizens, tax-paying citizens of that country, for a government to literally lay down and just allow a group to just walk in. You don't know who they are, what they stand for, what diseases they have. It is a slap in the face. But that's what the hardcore leftist mentality that has been indoctrinated to the 1960s to a point where a government can slap the first were killed business 20 years down the road.